Good morning and welcome to the Fantastic Covering. Good morning. Morning, Matt. Morning, Rich. And how are you? I'm good, man. Really good. Yeah, wicked, man. Had a wicked weekend. Went to the London Convention. It was awesome, man. The power in that room, man. It was insane. Was it the Can- whole weekend, then? Well, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But I went Saturday morning. I left at, like, six o'clock. I got there for about half nine and trekked around the whole of London, went to Buckingham Palace, went to Nelson Square, Trafalgar <laughs> Square, went to loads of bridges, Big Ben, the cathedral, a couple of You parks. did all of that in a day? Mate, I'm telling you, my legs, when I went to bed that night, I woke up, right, and I was proper, like, like a gym session or something, man. Went to Chinatown. Like, the food was mega expensive, man. Oh, it is? Yeah, yeah, but Chinatown, £5, all you can eat, £7. All you can eat, because we sat inside, but take, takeaway box is five quid. All you can eat was seven quid. So I made the most of that all you can eat and uh, ate all I could eat. But yeah, honestly, it was something else. Something else, That's man. the thing, though, isn't it? You go somewhere like London and think, oh, I've got to see this, I've got to see that. Yeah. got to go here, I've got to go there. Yeah. I've got to go everywhere, I've got to see absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm never going to be here again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's all going to burn down or explode before I come back, so I've got to do it now. Neil was the guide. He knew where he was going. Oh, Neil knew. Yeah, Neil we yeah, yeah. Well, it was just me and Neil. We linked that with a load of people down there, because obviously Neil was from London, so he knows a few people. Yeah. A load of people from Birmingham were going, so... Honestly, it was awesome. I was well out of my comfort zone, I'm not going to lie, yeah? Of course. I've been here, got comfortable, and everything was all good, and everything was all gravy, and I was like, yeah, sweet, I'm doing well. Got there, bang, mate. And I was like, well out of my comfort zone, self-obsessed, yeah. self-absorbed, self-centered. He's looking at me, ah, why am I... Oh, what do I say to him? You know, all of this bollocks. And it checked me man I got humbled man like, but, but it wasn't like I was being arrogant anyway it was just a case of there's a long way to go man when we're put in these situations where it's uncommon and it's alien we actually start acting up without realising yeah. it because it's slightly unsettling especially being somewhere as big as London although I bet Neil was in his element he was the same but they'd be conversing and then he'd be like bang get all that self obsession self thing but I was like it the whole time like this is just what it is it, it's fine I'm not gonna lie, my, my fucking head fell off a bit. I was like, I went in there, I went and listened to this amazing share, man. It was something else, like. I went and listened to these, like, 30, 100 million years clean or whatever. I heard this share, and I was like, wow, mate, got lit up, yeah. Went outside for a cigarette, bang, straight back into my shit. And then I went to the shop, got a bottle of Coke and a Galaxy bar. It was so, like, I was overwhelmed, to be honest, but I sat there and chilled, and I went back. 2,800 and whatever years cleaning the whole mm. it, uh, during the whole fellowship so yeah I was sat there it dawned on me I was like nine months of that is me and I've got that nine months through we yeah but the 2,800 is we it's, it's all of us collectively and it's like it's amazing how it's all come about it's, a big and it's deal. amazing it's a to, big deal man to go to a big city like that and is quite a culture shock as well. Yeah. If you're used to your ordered little life that you found in recovery, Birmingham's a big city too. And I come from a small I, little town, man. I find it? my ordinary little life, which revolves around the things I do that work for me in recovery, and I'm not often going to big new places that are full of people I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And in essence, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah. yeah and man. my solution to that, of course, in the past was always that I'd be drunk enough whereby it wouldn't matter. Didn't matter. And I would always avoid these kind of alien situations. And there's part of me that wants to stick to the stuff I know in recovery. So it is a big deal to go to a convention like that, especially somewhere as big as that. Honestly, I got on the bridge 
because Neil was on about it as well how like you come back in two years and there's so everything's mm. popping up everywhere everything's going mate, mental and then and I got on the bridge and I felt so like humble this is massive mate there's so much going on and and all that self-centered is just bollocks man and it's yeah. not actually me it's part of my disease that thinks that like the self-centered self yeah of an what? addict I got humbled man I'm not a really arrogant person as it is but I needed it and I had some really good conversations with people I only had a few though because I didn't I didn't but it does also show you that there is a world out there because I think perhaps when we go to a handful of meetings in our recovery backyard as it were we don't necessarily contextualise that this is global. I know, man. This is all along the world. I can the first little room that I went to with seven people in it in AA to mass conventions yeah, and 2000... basketball stadiums yeah, over man. in the US. It was mental. It was whole auditorium, Rich. It was like, I felt the power, man. You know, the power was there, mate. I kept wearing up. There wasn't a share I didn't wear up in, man. Because i got something now. i got something that works, do you know what I mean? I don't have to... I, I, You've I can also talk, got I can talk, I can talk. just... Nine months gone. Yeah. Honestly, man, to anyone that don't know what the fuck to do, man, I'd get yourself to meetings, man. Honestly, like, it opens the world up. And within the fellowship, there's so many networks you can meet. Yeah. Everyone's doing summit. And what you're saying about your recovery backyard, that was kind of it then. And I got there, I was like, bang, mate. Do you know what I mean? And they done, it's they... about acknowledging that there's a world outside. And I think, certainly for me, for the first 18 months, two years, I needed to be smaller, in solid, yeah, yeah, yeah. places. And I, I didn't want to go to something bigger. I felt like it was too loose for me. But in many ways, we have to find something that's beyond this recovery backyard. For me, it comes with working with normies. Yeah. That's part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes in going to places that are unfamiliar and doing it as a recovering alcoholic, as opposed to doing it any old hell like I used to. And gradually, as my world expands, as it should, I then learn to cope with these things. But I think we should all look to acknowledge that that world's outside. 100%, man. Because otherwise like, we get stuck up our own arse, don't we? But like you said, man, I don't know, to be honest, bro, that's the first thing I've done. I'm not going to lie, when I was on the way there, because I was doing something, when I? I was going somewhere, I had that feeling, man. And it was like, fucking hell, I've got that feeling. So it was like, oh, what's going to happen here, man? But I spoke about it, man. I voiced it, and I got there, and it was fine, man. And I spoke to loads of people there, and he was like, look, mate, I'm however many million years clean, and I still get thoughts. It's going to linger, man. I'm an addict. It's always going to be here, and, like, people say, I know what'll work. And you haven't heard about it for five years, or you haven't spoke for three years, a year, and then something happens, and then, I know what's going to fix you, mate. It's still there, man. It's still, and it's always been there the whole time. It's just been doing bits and bobs. And I know what I've got to do now, a little bit, anyway. What we all have to do is get on with it. Yeah. And do the work. The more we engage with recovery mechanisms, the better off we'll be. And yeah. The better off we'll be in terms of dealing with the world, because the world is still there. The world doesn't stop just because I've decided no. that I'm finally going to do the right thing. And the world doesn't behave itself either, just no. because of that. And I've had a relatively sedate week by my standards. I haven't been rushing about all over the place. Yeah. But I take those weeks as they are, because I know that it won't be long before the opposite is happening. Mm -hmm. I have to react in a very different way. That's it, man. Anyway, we have no Ronnie this morning. So I've had to find something myself, because Ronnie is unavailable. This, well, it could only come from certain sources, this type of thing. Cigarettes and alcohol. Almost 60% of hit songs include references to harmful substances. Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift 
are amongst the worst offenders in some <laughs> shows. Uh, I think possibly recently they might be, but I don't think yeah, they're yeah, likely yeah. to be as big offenders as something like Oasis. Yeah, but. I think if they really got the context out of other songs... Right, well, this is your context. Go on. Researchers analysed chart hits between 2014 and 2020... Oh, right, cool. ...to establish how many featured alcohol, drugs or cigarettes. So it's only in the last few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not the 60s. Yeah, 60s. <laughs> Canadian rapper Drake got the most. Got the most? Yeah. Followed by Maroon 5 and Taylor Swift, Ed Sheeran and Nicki Minaj in third place. In part, it's this reactive press. How dare rock stars do this? Because we're at the point now where we're talking about reclassifying films in the cinema if they feature smoking and drug use. Are they? Yeah. I mean, they were talking about Casablanca because Bogart smokes all the way through the film. That No, that shouldn't be a use certificate or whatever it used to be. So this thing with rock stars, you've got this traditional image of the rock star. I mean, you think of Keith Richards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was always smoking on stage. Now... I found an article recently, actually, that Keith Richards gave up smoking two years ago. But Keith Richards is nearly 80. I don't know whether giving up smoking He's got at that age that makes way. a big difference, really. If you've lived to be 70-odd, then does it make any difference? But the image of him was always... Smoking a cigarette. Smoking. And Eric Clapton, I think, was the one who had the cigarette holder on his guitar. Yeah. And many have followed. And also, you've got these stories of proper hell-raising the likes of John Bonham and Keith Moon and whoever, and a number of rock stars that died way before their time because of drugs and alcohol, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, Mama Cass. And all the people that are now... Jim Morrison. ...have got very bad ailments because of drug and alcohol abuse they've subjected themselves to. What I do think is... Who came up with the idea and thought, right, let's put a load of study into from 2004 into then? Well, why that? That is know. the key question. Why is it necessary to engage in a study like that? I, I know, that's what I'm thinking. If it's not this concept of let's demonise cigarettes yeah. and alcohol even more. Because no, let's be honest, I doubt that Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift have actually particularly thought about that. No. Uh, They've uh, just thought, this is what goes in my video. You're not going to tell 50 Cent that he's not allowed to swear anymore, are you? It's absurd. An m and m And to tell Maroon 5, no, you can't play like that, you can't present yourselves like that. And I don't think it matters who's in the top five or whatever. No, no. Man. It's a question of what you're showing is what you want to show artistically, and if it happens to involve that, then fine. And you're quite right. Who the hell commissioned this? Why have they wasted money on researching this? Yeah. So what do you reckon, like... I think it's about negativising. Are they trying to negativise yeah. the artist yeah. or the drug? Or both? I think it's more about the drugs and alcohol the drugs and, and alcohol. cigarettes. Yeah. I think that's what it's about. Because if you think about the way things have been since the cigarette ban indoors in public came in in 2007... I don't know. The, the way it's been since then is that more and more that the idea Fucking. of smoking is demonised and also if you look at the history of it on television they only get away with showing people smoking in certain circumstances the big example of course is the Simpsons yeah because Patty and Selma used mate. to smoke all the time Looney Tunes and mate. then suddenly it changes yeah. and suddenly that's not allowed I remember the Looney Tunes yeah there was this one episode it's always stuck in my head the chicken he used to smoke all the time he had, he had this thing where he 
It was yeah. like a conveyor belt, and he had like a hundred cigarettes, and he was just smoking them and passing them down like that. And then Tom smokes a cigar, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah Tom and Jerry, he's banning cigars and that. And that all got stopped, and that all got um, same sort of stuff as this, but it was on the news. In some ways, it's twinned with what we were saying the other week, in that the government is quite happy to take this extraordinary amount of tax from alcohol, <laughs> and yet won't invest in treating people. I know, man. And they're quite happy to take what's an even bigger amount of tax from tobacco. They're quite happy to take all of that, and yet the media negativization of smoking is as bad as it is of drugs and alcohol, actually. But it is a drug, isn't it? It is, but it's one of them socially accepted ones that everyone's like, oh, yes, you know, it's only, it's only, it's But only. to condition how much it can be shown on television. And for me, Marge's sisters in The Simpsons stopping smoking actually changes the characters. Because yeah. it's one of the things that Homer hates about them. And this idea that it can't happen in EastEnders anymore. Or there was this fad of it only associating with bad characters. Yeah. So the bad boys were the ones that smoked. Yeah. I would question why this survey has even been commissioned, as you say, because it looks to me like, yet again, it's the process of negativisation. Yeah. I think it's... Um... Celebrities know that younger people look up to them and emulate them. We want to see far less of these substances depicted in music, lyrics and videos. Who are we? Yeah. There are no health benefits for young people who use them. There are certainly many risks and negative consequences. No, my question again, who are we? And it's, we want and to it's, see this. And it's, We've decided this. And it's also, there is probably quite a lot of influence from the artists up there. It's the social parameters as well. Yes. On a day-to-day -day level that humans conform to. Which we do. We all try and fit in. We all try. I, I know I have. That's what I've ever tried and done. Be a social comedian, fit in anywhere and do this. That's because I wanted to be part of. So... Is them smoking really like I don't know? Maybe it is, but I think there's bigger fucking fish to fry. There's also the fact that if you tell teenagers not to do something, they're gonna they do, do it, it, man. Yeah. And this idea of we don't want this in lyrics. Sorry, you don't determine what an artist writes about. Yeah. You don't determine what a musician sings about. Yeah. They do. Yeah. It's an incredibly <laughs> restrictive social model because yeah. it's actually saying. We're going to condition creativity. Yeah, man. And you can't do that. Not if you want to be a civilised society. You've got to get a creative flow going, man. What this idea that you're that? not allowed to include this, you're not allowed to write this because we say so. I mean, who the fuck are we? Is that and also, thing? you can't be saying to teenagers, oh, no, you mustn't emulate that. Yeah. They said that in the 60s. Yeah. You imagine the reaction when the Beatles turned up. You got Beatlemania. The idea at that time of screaming girls in front of a pop group was considered obscene. <laughs> it was, oh, you're not like that. No, you're not going to follow them. And it's the age-old thing. It's like, no, don't have sex, don't smoke, don't drink. So what do teenagers do? All of it. <laughs> and the more you tell them not to do it... The more we get it. The, the more, more it happens. It, you know, like. And it is not the responsibility of a rock star to decide what people do or don't do. Of course kids are going to emulate them, but not all of them are. But if you say to them, no, this is negative, this is a bad person, you're actually judging their creativity on the grounds of the fact that they're doing something that the powers that be have mm. decided is wrong. Ethically, I'm very much opposed to this idea of we think musicians shouldn't be portraying this. Because mm. it's a condition on their creativity. Well, 
putting people under false information because this is what goes on man whether it's smoking cigarettes or you're banging up heroin man like this is the reality of life like what do you do live in different worlds don't you man because i live in a different world today than i used to yeah and people we're going to have a little check of what's actually happening and what people are actually living like not smoking but that's the hypocrisy isn't it yeah man. we will take the billions of pounds of tax we make on tobacco but then we're going to tell everyone, oh, it's bad, it's yeah, evil. Yeah. Therefore, you're bad if you take drugs. You're evil. And the um, amount of people that do smoke, the amount of people that do take drugs, the amount of people that do drink, and a lot of them as well. But to condition rock stars to say, right, you can't be a rock star unless you portray this type of living. Yeah. No. The nature of rock music is it's rebellious. Yeah. And also, the nature of some forms of music is telling it like it is. I'm reading a book at the moment that's written entirely in street slang and it's set in London and one of the points he makes in the first chapter or so is he's talking very very matter-of-factly about how someone got killed round about where he's from and then points out no nobody will say anything it won't be in the papers everybody on the nice housing area a couple of miles away will pretend it never happened because they don't hear about it yeah. and they don't know and they don't know that this is how we live and they don't know that there are thousands of us and these occurrences are normal. And the more we have this scenario of, no, this is the way life is supposed to be, and we do the not in my backyard thing, whether it's about homelessness, whether it's about addiction, whether it's about teenagers smoking, dear God, how awful, how terrible. Listening to music. Listening to music that we've decided they shouldn't listen to, which is what people were saying about the Beatles in the first place, or Bill Haley or Elvis or whatever. Oh, you're not allowed to move your legs like Elvis did. Don't move your hips. You'll be wanton, a scarlet Jezebel. Or you'll be a fallen man, whatever that is. But the more we have this denial of the way the world is, the more ridiculous it looks when you've got a newspaper saying, this is an important survey. No, it's not an important survey. It's a complete waste of money. Yeah, it's totally. money that could be spent on treating people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From my experience, the sooner you accept something, the sooner you find some sort of resolve. And the sooner you bat it off, the bigger it gets. Like, if a and lot for of me, this article is yet another example of societal denial and of telling people, no, 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 we can't have rock stars like this. And yet they're selling millions and millions yeah. of records. Millions and millions. You can't start conditioning narratives like that. <laughs> well, it's already out there, do you know what I mean? The thing like, is, how many people are going to take notice of what that survey yeah, said? Yeah, yeah, compared to how many people actually take note of what the music is saying. But how but, many people are going to stream a Taylor Swift track today? Yeah, millions. Compared millions, to how many people are going to take notice of that survey? Yeah, yeah. It's a pointless exercise. But, so I take it this is relative to England, yeah. Well, I don't know. Actually. But I mean, even if it's not, let's be honest, Oh, celebrities have a very powerful position in society and have the unique opportunity to impact lives in positive ways by not promoting or glamorising the use of alcohol, tobacco and drugs. There's so much people, so many more people out there Because the fact a lot is, more power in it, man. Recovery, we have to find for ourselves. Recovery is something that I have to find for me. And someone telling me not to drink, not to smoke, not to touch drugs when I'm 15 is actually more likely to send me into a spiral of self-destruction than do I do being then? left to find out for myself. If I am being given this conditioned narrative that says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, 
anyone with an addictive personality is going to go and do all of it. Mm-hmm. And not even addictive personality, man. Some people just go through a stage of like battering themselves and then just stop. Yeah, and some people grow up when they get married. You exactly. Know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so, like, and some people just, or they have a kid or something like that. Some, some of us, like me and yourself, we don't do that. It just goes um, down the far even deeper. But, but it's only making the situation worse in terms of the way we deal with addicts and alcoholics. Because if we're condemning them while they're still teenagers for doing these things, it then becomes an act of rebellion that goes on and on and on. It's a needless narrative to have in the media. Yeah. It really about saying, how dare these celebrities do this? Why not spend the money on something useful? Why not spend the money on finding positive role models in youth clubs? Yeah. Why not spend the money on treatment? Why not spend the money on promoting positive role models? There are a lot of rock stars in recovery. Because Is there any yeah, mention man. of that? You know there? what I mean? Is yeah. there any mention of the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Is there any Anna, mention of Aerosmith? Mary, is there any Mary mention Dave of Blige. Ozzy? Is there any mention of, well, all of them? Eminem, there are, there are hundreds of Blige. them. Loads of them, man. Really is like. But Anna. no, no, we can't have that. We don't want positive role models of recovery. What we want is we want to tell rock stars, you're a musician, how dare you promote the use of drugs? Yeah. But it's what people do where I grew up. We don't care. We've decided that you've got to show this instead. Yeah. What's yeah. next? We're not going to screen this video because we've decided it's not appropriate. Yeah, um, 100%. At which point you will get a rogue equivalent of YouTube where it's all going out there anyway. Yeah. And young people become even more resistant to the powers that be because they feel like they're being dictated to. Well, they are. This is the reality of it. You know, you get pushed through school, learn this or fuck off. That's an even bigger case in point because if this is coming out in the papers, the next thing is we will only teach these things in school. And there's an immense danger in this country that that is already happening. It is, man. With the talk of teaching history in a certain way. And the thing that fascists always do is they try and rewrite history. And we're not far away from that kind of thing happening now because we've had a lot of jolts to our historical process in recent years in that there are certain aspects of our history that we don't particularly want to talk about but it's far better to acknowledge that those things are there than to pretend that they never were. Mm. And that's my argument about the thing about smoking on film. You cannot show a film of Casablanca or remake it and say, oh, no, no, we can't have people smoking in it. It's the Second World War. <laughs> it's in the 40s. Everyone was smoking, weren't they, man? No, but look at the Blackadder series where they're all smoking. In Blackadder 4. I don't know, Blackadder. But of course, it's the First World War. You don't know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. Yeah, as yeah. if you care about getting lung cancer or not. I don't think that... And, and they didn't even know it was no, yeah, cancer yeah, caused back yeah, then. Yeah. And yet people will watch it now judging it and saying, oh no, you can't show that. It's just idiocy. Yeah. And it's a total misunderstanding of the process of history. Because there will come a point, potentially in the future, where nobody smokes tobacco at all. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we pretend that nobody ever did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't mean that we pretend that nobody's ever taken drugs. And it's very important that we don't pretend about that one. Because the fact is, it's not Drake glamorising drugs that makes teenagers take drugs. No, No, it's not. It's being told not to that makes them take them. And a lot of other reasons, you know, there's that yearn for something else. And it's peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. And 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 it's wanting to try things. It's a simple act of rebellion. 
not everyone's an addict, but a lot of people who aren't addicts will take things when yeah. they're teenagers or in their 20s. Yeah. And like you say, they will stop doing so as they get older. Some people won't, and they'll end up like me, staggering about when they're 45, thinking, oh dear, I better do something now. <laughs> but the reality is that what a rock star does does not condition the number of people who end up in rehab. Because the number of people who end up in rehab is going to happen anyway. And if you want to make it worse, why don't you start dictating to teenagers? Yeah. This is a bad role model. Yeah, yeah, so who yeah. are they going to pick? Are they going to pick a Cliff Richard type? Or are they going to pick the one that they like? And then when they're being told, this guy does things that we don't like, they only start copying when that happens. Yeah. I don't think teenagers instinctively copy the person they're listening to. Listening to. Not all, I don't not think all of them you know, do it. No, no. But in this survey for me is needless. It's a research project that didn't need to be undertaken. Mm. They could have undertaken a research project into why do we still have teenagers who are starting smoking and who are smoking yeah, weed? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why have we got teenagers who are doing this, that, that? What are we doing about it? As opposed to saying, let's blame someone. Because that's what it's doing, isn't it? Yeah. It's saying, let's blame someone. Is Ed Sheeran bothered? I doubt it. No. They're probably giving him more record sales. Yeah. He's probably sued him for however much or, or whatever it so is. In that sense, I suppose, it's a denial of responsibility because it's suggesting that the responsibility for kids behaving like this is that of the celebrities. celebrities. Yeah. They haven't got as much influence as what they're making out in that article. I don't think they do. I think the real crux of it is the human nature, man, and, and that whole rebellious, what you just said, the rebellious streak, you know, and I think the reality of it is there's not much solution and treatment-wise. So people, when it does happen, because it's going to happen yeah. anyway. Like Addiction's it, going to happen anyway. It's going to go down that road, and there needs to be support there to lift people out, you know, not pretend like it doesn't happen, because I'll they'll do you, it anyway. I'll tell you the issue they're not talking about, because of course they won't if they're a newspaper, is the representation of celebrities. Oh. They love a story when a celebrity's done something they shouldn't. Yeah, man. Think of Hugh Grant and that prostitute. Every time they showed Johnny Depp in any picture now, he always looks dishevelled and a bit pissed. They love stories like that. They love to condemn. Yeah, they do, man. They absolutely love it. And the presentation of celebrities is always about gossip. Yeah. It's always about some aspects of their private life. It's always about something that, oh, look, we found out this about so-and-so. Yeah. And then we're supposed to be interested in David Beckham's children. <laughs> My conclusion on this article is that it isn't necessary to spend money researching as to which celebrities and which musicians are mentioning alcohol, drugs and cigarette smoking. Yeah. It's a completely needless exercise because actually everybody can see it and also it draws attention to this idea that celebrities are role modelling how to behave for teenagers. If you didn't draw attention to it, a fair few of those teenagers wouldn't emulate it anyway. No. Would they? Do all teenagers immediately start copying whoever it is they're listening to? I don't think so. I think music does have quite a big influence. It does, yes. It does, it, it does, but it's... But it's yeah, going to have an influence anyway. Yeah, man. Essentially, Matt, what I'm saying is that this survey is pointless. It's money no, that it, could it's, have been better like, spent it's elsewhere. It's like you were just saying, man, how they yeah. acknowledge that the, that the celebrities are a part of maybe like a, an influence, but yeah. yet they're plastering them in other ways. 
but what about all the good stuff? Because they do a lot of good stuff, man. Yeah. But you don't really hear about it, man. Yeah, but that's not news, is it? No, yeah, but it should be. That they're doing good stuff. It's not news that they're giving money to charity. It's not news that they're going and doing volunteer work on yeah. the sly. It's not news. We don't want to hear about celebrities that are good. We don't want to hear about actors who do this, that and the other, but don't make a song and dance about it. Mm. We want to hear about what they've done wrong. And while we're going to condemn it and say, no, no, kids, don't do this, which means the kids will do this, we want to sit in judgment. And the most worrying thing about that article is we don't think these artists do that. Anyway, dilemma time. Your best friend has relapsed after completing rehab and staying sober for long enough to convince his wife to allow him to move back in. He asks you to lie to her about where he's been and what he's done so she won't kick him out of the house. Do you A. Flatly refuse, it's his problem, not yours. B. Agree but with conditions of your own. C. Agree because it makes no difference to you. D. Pretend to agree, then tell her behind his back. Or E. Ring the rehab and ask them what to do. <laughs> I'd have to agree with conditions of my own. Conditions being? Conditions being... Look, mate, you're going to have to go in there and spill your beans. Say what you need to say and see what happens, and I'll help you through it, but I ain't covering up your bullshit for however long. Because you don't shoot the wounded man, and I ain't going to go in there and stitch him straight up. But I wouldn't lie to her. I just I wouldn't even get involved. I'd just be like, go and do your thing. I ain't getting involved. I, I wouldn't want to her. collude in the line. No, I no, I wouldn't be held responsible no. for that. But I might well say to him... You tell her I will. Yeah. To yeah. try and prompt him to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or say to him, well, if you don't fest this up, it's only going to get worse. Give him a check and do it again, yeah, yeah. and it'll be another lie, and then another lie on top of that. And then and you're off, explode. man. If you go and fess up now, chances are she's not going to kick you out anyway, and it's something you can resolve. But if she finds out in six months' time that the six and months of bullshit. And you're flat out now. And then you're flat out, because your reaction will be to go flat out when she finds out that you've lied. Because you get a little kick you'll out of think, fucking getting Screw this getting anyway, it. and you'll do it. So actually, it's a case of go and fess up now, because otherwise it's just going to get much, much worse, and she's going to think, oh, he's not changed at all, off he goes. Yeah. I wouldn't be doing things like pretending to agree and then <laughs> telling her on the quiet or ringing the rehab and saying, can you take him back in, that kind of thing. Because it's not for me to control that situation. No. But it depends where you are, man. If you come through rehab together and you're still both, like, brand new, man... Even now, mate, I'd have to get some guidance around it, but... Well, that's what we have sponsors for, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, man. And even anyone in your support network, anyone at meetings, man, anyone, like, a little bit further down the line or something. Yeah. You know, like, I run a lot of stuff by my sponsor, but sometimes I don't need to, because mm. I'll go through other people and I'll find something that seems a nice place to sit with what I've got, you know. And I do go to my sponsor as well about it, but it's already resolved then. It's already easy. I will always check things, but then I look at the honesty thing first when I'm presented with a situation like this. There is no need for me to be dishonest about something like that. Yeah. Because it's not actually my responsibility that he's done what he's done. And he needs to be honest about it. Yeah. And I'm not going to collude in someone else's bullshit. No, Just to no. make their life easier. And the fact is that when someone relapses, they are not going to get back. They are not going to get better until they own it themselves. No. Like earlier, man, you've got to acknowledge something, be aware of it, 
instead of brushing it under the carpet because it just goes under there and it stays there, doesn't it? Eventually, the carpet flips and you've got all that shit still there, man. And it's rife. You're a lot, man. The truth sets you free. And it does, man. It does. Well, it's not having to remember what I did last night no. because I know that what I did was honest. And the fact that I don't need to make up stories about where I've been because where I've been is okay and I've got nothing to hide. And I think for a lot of my life I've been searching validation. And even today, like, yeah, validation from others, you know, yeah. validation and gratification through other people. And I think being honest, trying to be honest to the best of my ability in all my affairs, I get validation from myself. I'm doing all right. And, uh, and even when it's really hard, sometimes it's like, that's a disease. If I know I don't want to talk about something, I need to talk about it. Especially when it's like, yeah. there's certain stuff. Your sponsor, you've got the relationship with your sponsor feels a bit iffy or something. Sometimes yeah. I've got to talk about it, man. It doesn't feel iffy, but my head talks shit. And it'll make it into this big yes. conundrum and it'll be this massive thing. And I'll talk to him and he's like, what are you talking about, bro? But I didn't want to talk about it because I feel like I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I don't know what I, my head fucks me over and it thinks a thousand different things of why it's well, going to happen. And it's just not, people. Yeah. We need other people to stop telling ourselves insane things really i need other people so that the insane things i tell myself don't become exploded. you don't become action man you don't Do you become I mean? my guiding narrative yeah man you've recently completed rehab and were invited to a fellowship convention in the city a long way away by dave from the roof so you don't know very well do you a find out who else is going before you agree b agree without question C, ask your sponsor. D, refuse. E, pay a private investigator to follow Dave around for a week <laughs> so you can decide whether it's safe to go anywhere with him or not. I'd have to see who else is going, man. Yeah. yeah I'd have to, you know, because one thing is, like, from what I know now, it can be unsettling sometimes. It's very powerful stuff. I really enjoyed it, and I'm so glad I went. Yeah. Neil's sound man, I get along well with Neil. Neil's top bloke, like, and I got no. And also, Neil knows the environment. Neil knows the environment. To. You know what? It was fucking awesome, man. I can't complain, but let's be honest. For someone I didn't really know, I'd have to find out who else is going, man. Depending on where I'm at with my recovery, I'd have to find out, you know. Hopefully, one day I'll just be able to pop off. See in a bit. I'm going down for a complete drive up there. And, in time. Uh, but for now, did it say anything about early recovery? Did it? I don't know. We're just out of rehab. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't when, think I'll be going to a convention. But. When I've just come out of rehab, I don't know. And that's the reason why I need my recovery backyard, because I've got to build that up first. Yeah. Before I can start swanning off to big conventions or making any major life decisions, I need to build up this gradual capital. Yeah. And in terms of going off and seeing the world and all of this stuff, I'm not going to go just because Dave from the room says it's a good idea. But then we don't know, do we? And we can make some terrible things. Oh, we can make some brilliant things go them, can't we? Minefield, isn't it? It is, mate. In your head. And if you think about going to a completely alien city you've never been to before with someone you don't know very well, is it something that you would choose to do anyway? No, I don't think it would be, man. No. Convention or not, man, you know. Um, I wouldn't if I wasn't sure in any way if no. I thought, oh, hang on. And it would be a sponsor job. Yeah, 100%. Straight to the sponsor job, I think, that one. Probably a few others as well after that. For me, man, I think I'd be wary from going down the shop with some people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not everyone, you know. I get along with a lot of people I meet, but it's my shit. I'm so, like, self-preservation and 
I just don't want to go back. But isn't man. there an element of this in the rehab experience? Because going into rehab, 24-7, surrounded by the same people, artificial environment, very much under the microscope, everything's magnified. Someone who you've known for 48 hours suddenly becomes your best friend ever. <coughs> and this goes on for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever. And you make these artificially deep connections with people. And then you leave rehab and you go into, say, a dry house environment and that continues. And what we don't necessarily realise in going through rehab and in going through the first six months is that for the first few months, everybody else is just a fellow passenger. Mm. They don't actually become friends until it's over time and you accumulate that genuine capital of friendship, as it were, in the mm. same way as you build your recovery backyard. Because there's loads of people I can get on with in a recovery context, but they're not people I'd spend a weekend with. And the people I'd spend a weekend with, it's a very small number. And I think that something that isn't necessarily said often enough in the rehab environment is don't expect all these people to be here in 18 months time, because yeah. they won't be. Let's just hope that you are for your sake. Yeah. But you've got to do it for you. you and you going to meetings is not conditioned by what Simon says. No. Or by what Sarah says. It's what you say and when you choose to go. I act too, man. Because I know it worked. Do you know what? I still don't want to get tied up in anyone else's stuff. I've got my pals, yeah? And I'm quite happy with where I'm at, who I'm with, and who's close and who's not. And you do find them in the rooms, man. You do find some great people, man. And it's just a case of, I'm me and everyone else is them and everyone's an individual and everyone's we're all just trying to do the same thing stay clean yeah. we're all connected through that so it's like it is the same thing as the wanting to do all your amends within the first oh week, yeah, yeah thinking everybody's your friend and in the same way as life is life you're going to meet some people in the rooms that you connect with you're going to meet some people that you, you don't. don't yeah but those people that you don't you're still on a journey in the rooms with yeah because you've still got the same ambition overall of course, what you don't know when going into recovery is you don't know how many snakes there are in no. the room. Because there are snakes. Yeah, man. But yeah. then there are in the world too. It's a danger for us in recovery to go from not trusting anyone at all... To trusting absolutely everyone. To trusting everyone. absolutely everyone. Yeah. And because I've done a group in rehab where I've said things I've never said before, if I'm not checked, I'll end up saying it in a meeting. Yeah. And let's face it, it might be anonymous, but... I've seen step fours on Facebook oh, before. Yeah. Have you? People have fallen out. And we have to learn a new set of rules and we have to follow them. And if we're not certain, then we need to ask. Because something like going to that convention with someone you don't know, anything could have happened. Whereas what you did was a safe bet. And yet you're still describing all the nerves yeah, and the sudden self-obsession, even though you're with one of the safest people you could have been with. Yeah. Awesome weekend. Powerful shares, powerful people's recovery scene. Like, it was just inspirational. Really inspirational, man. And it was also, no matter how many years you get down the line, we ain't perfect, mate. No, yeah? absolutely not. Do you know what I mean? That's what I got from it as well. And I was like, yeah, man. That's one of the most important things I hear from old timers around the rooms. Is they might say, look, I don't need to do six meetings a week. I actually probably need to do three, but which three? And I consider it a given duty to be passing things on. And because I'm 38 years sober or whatever it is, that doesn't mean I know all the answers, because yeah. I don't. 
And every time I hear that from someone who's been around a hell of a long time, this means I know that we're all imperfect beings yeah. and we all have to remain imperfect. And that way we make progress. Whereas if I start thinking, oh, I need to do this like this, otherwise it'll all go wrong, then I'm placing conditions. Yeah. To decide I'm not sure about doing this isn't placing a condition, is it? It's actually me rationally trying to protect myself. Because mm. you must have had a very distinct decision to make there when Neil said, shall we go to London? Part of your decision would have been based on the fact that you were going with him. Yeah, 100%. Well, mine was like... Going to a convention is a positive. Yeah. Provided you're going to get there. In uh, the right and you've got way. everything sorted and, and all of this. And everything was sorted. It wasn't yeah. going to be piggly towards the end because of COVID and, and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff and, and people got COVID and, like, and we couldn't stay wherever. But it all got resolved and it was all sweet. And like, but yeah, like, convention or not, man, I'm going to be approached by situations that are going <laughs> to be clouded with yeah. self-obsession and, and, and all of this bollocks. And, and we face moments where we have to make decisions. And one of the things I had to learn in early recovery was I can't bat these off and avoid decision-making. No in a way that I used to when I was drinking. I would do anything to avoid a decision or I'd make a snap decision that would mean nothing or would make everything worse. <laughs> yeah. But in recovery, in terms of my facing the world and becoming a citizen of the world, I have to make decisions. Yeah. And I have to be responsible and adult about them. And I also have to face the consequences of yeah. those decisions rather than Good blaming and bad, everybody you know? else. That's preconceptions are tied to words, man. You're like selfish. Selfish is put into a negative way, you know. I don't think being selfish, that you've got to preserve yourself, you've got to look after yourself, you've got to have self-compassion, and they could be personified as selfishness, but I suppose, yeah, I don't know, maybe selfish is a derogatory term. Um, no, but sometimes in recovery, we have to be selfish. Yeah, man. Yeah. If I have to stay away from someone for the sake of my own self-preservation, that is a form of selfishness. But Consequences, consequences, consequences. So you always say you got to face the consequences. You got to do this, but so it, it could be good and bad. And we are a, a product of my decisions, not my circumstances. Well, we have run out of time, believe it or not. Even without Ronnie, <laughs> shows that there are incendiary articles out there for yeah, everyone. Man. Yeah. I had to have a look this morning when I knew that Ronnie wasn't coming. <laughs> he will be back next week, and we will be back next week. For now, if you have heard anything that has in any way resonated with you concerning yourself or with someone you love or someone you know, then please get in touch. There is help somewhere. If you look on Google, if you look for rehab, if you look for alcohol and drug services, there are various places that offer various forms of help. We are here on Flat Out Recovery on Facebook. We are Flat Out Recovery on Twitter. And we can be emailed on podcast.changeuk.org. So have a wonderful week and a wonderful weekend and we'll speak to you soon. Yeah man, see you there guys.